You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey guys, this is Russ, and this is The Overlook. Today we're going to talk about the murder of Kimberly Ortega. Kimberly Ortega was a Hispanic female who went missing from Lemon Grove, California on November 13, 2013. She was only 16 years old. Police believe Kimberly was a runaway, but in January of 2017, a dog walker found her remains in Ote Valley Regional Park in Chula Vista, California. It took till March of that year to officially identify Kimberly. There was a lack of urgency in her initial disappearance, and it is believed she actually died very shortly after she disappeared. Currently, her case remains unsolved. So after it was disclosed to the public that Kimberly's remains were found, most of the stories have pretty much the same exact information, and that information was sparse to begin with. The police had remains, but no tips and very little clues. Or at least they weren't telling the public they had any major tips or major clues. Her remains had been found about three years after she disappeared. And there was no real investigation done when she initially disappeared because it was thought she was a runaway. Fox 5 San Diego spoke with Kimberly's best friend, Aaron Bonilla, who made it very clear that some of his other friends totally suspected Kimberly's boyfriend. After her remains were found, he was quoted telling Fox 5 San Diego, it was the boyfriend at the time. It has to be. There's no doubt. It just breaks my heart to know that my friend just passed in a very brutal way. Now, according to News 5, Lieutenant Nelson said the boyfriend was a person of interest, but this boyfriend has never been publicly identified and pretty much all other details in this case have been sealed. So far, there's been no official suspect named. And what makes it even odder is that police haven't even disclosed the manner of Kimberly's death. So yes, they told us the public it was a homicide, but we have no idea how she actually died. And it's not like they're saying, we do not know how she died, but really it was a homicide. No, they're saying it's a homicide and then they ask for all the files to be sealed. Now, unfortunately, there's just not a lot of information about Kimberly's disappearance or murder. We know Kimberly was last seen by family November 13th, 2013. It's believed that family thought maybe she was running away. But when they didn't hear from her by January, they started getting really concerned because they thought, look, there's no way she wouldn't have at least reached out to us to say she was okay by now. So she wasn't actually reported missing until January of 2014. 
However, even though family got very concerned and truly believed that, no, there's no way she would be gone for months and not at least reach out, police never stopped treating this case like a runaway case up until her remains were found. Now, look, I can't find anything on Kimberly's history. I don't know if she has a history of running away. Now, since it took the family a couple months to report her missing, and she was a teenager, it wasn't like this was someone in her 20s who was just living her own life and had her own place, and maybe she was just out doing her own thing. She was a teenager. She was 16. This is usually someone you keep tabs of and know where they are. So this left a lot of people wondering if maybe, yeah, she did have a history of running away, but I could not find anything online that confirmed it either way. Also another thing, I could not find out anything about her relationship to her boyfriend. Yes, her best friend came forward and said, yeah, we believe it's him. We've always believed it was him, but I can't find any other mention of this boyfriend. I find articles where they quote the best friend again and they mention that police have interviewed him and he is a potential person of interest, but I actually can't find any quotes or anything in people's comments or anything where anyone mentions if the boyfriend was abusive or if he made threats to Kimberly beforehand and that's why friends thought very strongly that he has something to do with her disappearance and death. I gotta assume that one of these is the case because her best friend came out and straight up said, yeah, no, we all know it's him. That to me seems to indicate that there may have been some very scary, problematic things going on in their relationship that was known to her inner circle. Now, Kimberly's remains were found in 2017, but in 2016, San Diego County had 3,175 active missing person cases just in that county. At that time, California actually had 19,000 alone. Due to California's location geographically, it's actually believed that number is way higher due to illegal immigrants living there and being afraid to come forward because of the possible repercussions if they were to come forward to the police and say, hey, my loved one is missing. This is a big problem because this leaves immigrants, especially immigrants from Mexico, with a lot of unsurety when it comes to one of their loved ones being missing. I mean, do their loved ones get deported? How close are they to a cartel run area? Are they close to an area where there is a lot of gang violence? Did they cross over the border and plan to come back but never made it back? Did they even make it over the border? Now, supervising medical examiner investigator Julio Estrada told the San Diego Tribune that their offices were filled with Jane and John Doe's. And actually, they found a lot of these Doe's remains near the border and near mountains. So even though they have all these remains, the problem is they're having a very hard time identifying these does. They truly believe it's because families are scared to come forward. Families are scared to come forward because they may be illegal or their loved one may have been illegal. They're scared to come forward because there might have been some gang or possible cartel activity that may have been involved with this and they just really don't want to get into it. And then this article goes into details about how many people simply don't think they have to file a missing persons report. That it, it might not be something they think about for years. 
one of the fascinating things is it's not because people don't care. A lot of times people think their loved ones will just eventually return or their loved ones, you know, got up, started a new life and maybe just forgot about them. And I know that can be really hard to fathom, but you have to remember this is an area where transient lifestyle is not uncommon. Especially if we're talking about the California mountains or if we're talking about wine country or where there's a lot of farms. These type of areas, you find a lot of transient people that move during different harvest seasons and so forth. They get up and move and go where work is. So it's not uncommon that a loved one loses touch. And then we also have to keep in mind, there are some people who have a habit of getting up and walking away, have a habit of going months without talking to anybody. And they're found a year or two later, they usually call or they come back, stop in town. So for a lot of us, even though in our areas or in our families, it might seem like, no, if I don't hear from my loved one within a day or two, I'm going to the police. But it seems like in this area, it's actually not that uncommon. Now, Kimberly's remains were found in Chula Vista, and this is about a good 15, maybe 20 minute drive from where she was staying at the time that she disappeared. We really don't have any information about how her remains were found. I mean, we know that a person was walking their dog and they found the remains, but we don't know if the remains were in a bag, if it was buried and the dog digged them up, if they were on the sand near some grassy, watery land. We aren't really sure. We don't get a lot of details on if it looks like her remains were just recently dropped there or if they've been there a while. All we know is that her remains were found in Altea Valley Regional Park. And this is a park that's really for hikers. That's really for people who want to ride their bike along the side of the river. This is a very grassy, bushy area. There's also water on the left or right of you, depending on which way you're coming. This is not a park where you're going to find kids playing on jungle gym equipment or anything. This is kind of rough terrain. Again, this is a very natural area. There's lots of overgrown bushes and wildflowers, and it's pretty much dirt paths. I could definitely see someone thinking that this was the perfect place to hide remains and not be caught for years, if ever. Even though this park seems to be a fairly popular park, I mean, the park seems to have a lot of bikers and a lot of people walking with their dogs and hikers in general. But when you really look at the landscape of this park, again, the land is flowing with wild plants and there's a body of water there. Honestly, if you're hiking, you're running, you're walking your dog and you're just going along one of the paths, you'll probably never notice the little pockets of places where, quite frankly, all sorts of secrets can be hidden. East County Magazine posted a picture that was a screenshot of Kimberly's brother's Facebook. In his Facebook post, he created kind of a memorial site of sorts in the area in which her remains were found. And he posted about his love for his sister and how he wanted to create a memorial of sorts. Now you guys know, I like to explore social media. I like to see what the locals are saying about the case. I like to see what the rumors are around town. However, I really could not find a lot of organic local posts regarding this case. 
I don't really find much in the hashtags. I didn't really find much on YouTube. I mean, most of the things I found were pretty much the same information I was getting in the articles, except for with comments with prayer hands and asking for God to bring her back in peace upon her family. But I did come across a Facebook post posted by Fox 5. So under this post, commenters, of course, they were sharing their condolences. Kimberly was and how she had the type of personality where she just wanted to make everyone smile. Interestingly enough, I came across one peculiar comment under this very same post. This commenter had found Kimberly's actual Facebook and on her Facebook, there was a picture of her with another picture of a man who we can assume to be her boyfriend at least at that time. So the commenter, he took this picture, he posted it in the comments. In this picture, again, there's one picture of her and then there's another separate picture of him. And on the sides of these two pictures, kind of like pushed together in one big pic, there was the words written, I love you. The picture is very blurry. The man in that picture seems to be older than Kimberly. He does not look like a teenager. Now, again, the picture is completely blurry. You guys know I post pictures on Instagram and I'm going to post this picture, but I am going to block out this man's face. And that's just because he is not someone who the police have named as a suspect. So I'm going to block out his face. I will post the picture. However, if you head over to my blog, I will link every place I got any type of news source. This particular Facebook post will also be there. In those comments, you can go along and find the picture that this man posted. Nothing blocked or blurred out. Just throwing that out there. Another interesting thing is that on the various Facebook posts I found about Cambry's disappearance, and I'm talking about Facebook posts from news articles, news stations, and blogs for missing people and etc you'll find a lot of commenters talking about how they never heard of this case and they live in the area. They had no idea she was even missing. One particular commenter under one of these posts talked about how she never received the Amber Alert and others began to speculate why they never received any type of alert at all. Some people were saying, well, it could be because she had a history of running away, even though that's not something that's 100% clarified. So. It made me want to look into what qualifies for an Amber Alert. Here's the things that qualifies to get an Amber Alert. One, there's reasonable belief by law enforcement that an abduction has occurred. Two, the law enforcement agency believes the child is in imminent danger of serious bodily harm or death. Three, there's enough descriptive information about the victim and the deduction for law enforcement to issue on an Amber Alert to assist in the recovery of a child. Four, the abduction is of a child aged 17 or younger. Five, the child's name and other critical data elements, including the child abduction flag, have been entered into the National Crime Information Center system. 
All of that sounds good and dandy, but unfortunately, for a lot of missing children, this would mean they would not qualify for this type of alert. I mean, let's not even get into adults, and there are alerts for adults, but qualifications like these would exclude a lot of people. In fact, out of all the cases that I've covered, I believe this is episode 24, say about 70% of the cases I covered that law enforcement would automatically think abduction. There's not enough information about a possible abductor. Not a lot of critical information. And again, I know this is for an Amber Alert, but a lot of the alerts have a lot of similar qualifications, though it changes, of course, when we're talking about adults. But it just makes me think how many people, because these qualifications are very narrow, and I get it. I understand why they are narrow. This is for a particular type of disappearance or kidnapping. But it still is us to wonder about all these other people who their families have not heard from and what kind of assistance they can realistically get. That's the fact that, yes, there are lots of people who simply walk away from their lives. That is a fact. That is a statistical fact. And that's not something I'm trying to ignore or try to dismiss. I get it. Police don't want to waste their resources when there's no obvious sign that a crime was actually committed. Because walking away from your life is not a crime. It's not illegal. But how can we get more manpower when it comes to cold cases or missing person cases? And don't get me wrong, there are some police departments that do it right. They have dedicated detectives whose sole jobs are to look at cold cases and missing person cases. And they do an excellent job. These are the cases that we usually see on those big popular podcasts or in the ones that we see they make a movie out of. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of these small towns, these smaller cities, they don't have cold case units. They don't have detectives that are specifically assigned to looking into missing person cases. And that's not their fault. They don't have the funding. Maybe the, sm the town is small. They barely get a missing person case. It seems like a waste of resource. But unfortunately, this just leaves some outliers who seem to have been forgotten. And again, simply not enough manpower. That is a reason. It's a valid reason. But there is danger in dismissing a lot of these cases because we don't have concrete proof that imminent danger occurred. Because a lot of times, if they were in imminent danger, as we are finding with a lot of these cases that are getting solved, and such as the case of Kimberly, sometimes there's not anything left for police to consider suspect. I mean, if you're a teenage girl who went walking to the park and then you never made it to the park and you never made it home, how can they consider if you're in imminent danger or not? I mean, you're 16, but no one saw anyone try to take you. There's no evidence of any type of struggle. But should this case simply be forgotten and treated as a runaway off the bat? 
Again, I'm sure there are tons and tons and tons of cases. I know this for a statistical fact. There are tons of cases where people are reported missing, family hasn't heard from them, and then they come back a day later, a week later, a couple months later, maybe it's a year or two later, they call their family to say, yeah, I'm in San Diego, or they reach out to them on Facebook. But there is danger in dismissing cases where, okay, yes, we have no obvious danger until we come across a horrific finding such as Kimberly's remains being found. Who is at fault for all the evidence that is lost because no one made a move during the time her family raised alarms? And look, I'm not trying to go back and forth on if the police care or do our politicians care or do we really care or are we just talking in theory? Are we willing to take up higher taxes to get money to actually put forth the manpower and resources we are advocating for and asking for? It's all extremely complicated matter. And the solution, I'm sure, is even more complicated. But the facts remain that we keep coming across more and more cases where people simply vanish. There's little to no evidence. And by time enough flags are raised, miss the timeline to collect any real hard concrete data, any real hardcore evidence, any real great witness. And without these things, these cases can remain unsolved forever. Now again, I do want to say there are plenty of police departments out there where they have officers that take their job very seriously and they put forth, again, there is simply some departments that do not have the manpower to hunt down every single call from a mother who has not heard from her child in 24 hours. And again, statistically, it makes sense for the police to not be in a rush if there is no evidence of imminent danger. Because the truth of the matter is, many people do return. But all of those facts does nothing for the outliers who don't make it home. None of those facts do anything for those who are held up somewhere against their will or those who are one in the streets not remembering who they are or how to get home for whatever reason. I hope that in the future as we're making more technological advances, social advances, creating policy change, that we are able to get to a point where there are better checks and balances in the system where people of color, poor people, women are not on the lesser receiving end when it comes to justice. Now, Kimberly's case is still being investigated. There's currently a $1,000 reward being offered to anyone with information that can lead to an arrest. If you have any information on what happened to Kimberly Ortega, what was going on during those last moments of her life, or information that leads to them being able to find a suspect, we ask you to call the San Diego Homicide Unit at 858-974-2321. That's 858-974-2321. Now, again, I'm going to have 
going to have a blog post posted about this case. By the time you are hearing this podcast, the post is already there. So if you want to head over to theoverlookpodcast.com, you'll be able to go to the blogs and see some of the write-ups for some of the cases I've already covered. And you'll be able to click through the links as you're reading through the blog post. So you can go ahead and read the articles, the stories yourself. You can see the different Facebook posts I've talked about and really get a real sense of the story in case that I just covered. Now, as always, you guys be safe, be vigilant, and I'll have a new episode next Sunday. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.